Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, good morning, guys. I'm Jake at Crossroads, and I'm the intern here. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Let's try that again. Good morning, guys. I'm Jake at Crossroads, and I'm the discipleship and technology pastor here at Crossroads. I don't know if you guys know me very well, but when it comes to tech... God has blessed me being very well. So, what you guys haven't seen in the backgrounds today is we've been having issues back there. And I was told to stay, stay off the computer, stay off everything, right? You know what hasn't happened this morning? I haven't stayed off that computer. <laughs> my, my bad. But, you know, it's like being a captain of a ship. The ship's burning. Who's going down last? The, the captain. And I'm the captain of that ship. Well, today is Father's Day, right? Yeah. So I have a very special guest here this morning. My dad took a week off from his church. <laughs> to be here this morning. And not, this ain't the first time he's been here. This is the third annual time I get to preach on Father's Day. You know what that means? means three times my dad's been here. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? So growing up, my dad was always chaperoned with youth events, right? There was this one time, so we always went to this thing called Extreme Winter down in Branson, Missouri, right? Yeah, that's a great event. Tons of bands, tons of speakers, always on point, telling us where God wants us to be at. And we were out to eat. I think it was a golden corral. Well, I wasn't in part of this conversation, but my dad told me about it when he got back, okay? So he's getting a plate of food, you know, because we're Southern Baptists and we love eating. And this guy comes up and goes, hey, that kid over there, he has the gift. And said, don't quench it. I don't know, Dad, have you quenched the thirst of the Holy Spirit in me? I don't, I don't think so. So probably my biggest supporter is my dad. So today's message goes along with everything else that's been going on today. I hope you guys enjoy this message because I've been praying on this for months when Ryan said, you're preaching again on Father's Day and God started pouring the message and I'm just like, hold on God. Because it's like, you know, you got a little tiny pipe like this and a fire hose attached to it and it's like, and you're just like, all right, hold on. Because he is, he is brought a lot. But what would be Father's Day without a dad joke? So I'll keep it clean for you guys. But this is going to be good, okay? What car did the wise men drive to see Jesus? This is a good one here, okay? They came in a Honda Accord. Because, here's the point, guys, okay? The Bible says the wise men all came from one accord. You can't make that stuff up, guys. I mean, it had to be the Honda Accord, so 
That has to be the chosen vehicle, too. I don't have one of those. Well, in life, we get two choices, okay? I don't care what it is, but you get two choices. I'm going to tell you what those choices are today, okay? You either get the choice to follow where God's leading, or you get to choose to ignore it and run. All right? And that's, that's what I'm going to talk about today. I it doesn't matter what path you take, okay, because it's completely up to you. I'm just going to tell you the benefits of the one, because that's the path I want to be on. I don't know about you, but you might want to be on the other one. So it's, it's completely up to you, right? And there's two stories in the Bible that come to mind when I think about following or running. And those stories are David, right? Because David was a good man, wasn't he? He might, he might have stumbled, but who doesn't stumble? I mean, I want to see someone raise their hand if they haven't stumbled in life. No one there is there. And then I think of the story of Jonah. Who, who, who ran so far from God and tried hiding but Jonah? And so we're going to talk about those stories today. And so the first story is found in 1 Samuel. We're going to start in chapter 16, which is on page 290 in the Bibles in the chairs. For anyone that's following along with those. Yeah. I was nice. I prepped everything. And then I remember I needed to know what page numbers these were on. So leading up to where I'm going to pick up at, and that's verse 12, Samuel is off to looking for the next king, right? And he shows up to Jesse's house. So he has all his boys all dressed up nice and neat, and he's going through looking at all, each one of them, right? And Nope, not this one. Not this one. Not this one. Gets through all of them and says, none of these are them. You got any other sons? But here's the thing. David was out in the field still working. So instead of David getting all nice stuff and everything, he was still in the field. So, it says, so he sent and brought him in. Now was Rudy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Right? And he was anointed to be king. You know how old David was? I'll tell you. He was, he was around 15. I got any 15-year-olds in here today? No? Okay. They all, they all escaped. All right. So I don't know about how you guys were when you were 15. But that's like the time where all the kids start rebelling. And they start disobeying their parents. They keep running, right? You know what happened to David? He was chosen to be king, but he didn't instantly become king. He was put back in the field, right? So he's in the field working. Well, let me tell you something about me. So God came to me when I was very young and said, you are going to be mine 
and I'm going to use you. I was six, terrified. You're going to use me? I'm nobody. I'm six. There I am, six. I'm thinking, all right, how soon? You know, I don't know if you know about patience. I lacked patience for many years. And so there I am. I'm in my own personal field, hanging out, trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. When I was 15, I was leading Bible studies and writing songs, Christian rock band, screaming into the microphone. It was a lot of fun. But when I think about most 15-year-olds, what I think about is the fact that they aren't living that life. They're living that life of what, what feels good to me is what I'm going to do, and I don't care what you tell me. Right? So patience is the key. So if we go, go into chapter 17, you'll, you'll see a title that says Goliath, okay? Because this, this is how serious God is about David. Okay, so David's been in the field, he's working, and he's told to go out to the battlefield and feed his brothers. Okay? So he's on his way out to the field, and he's feeding his brothers, and they're all in this, all standing there going, this guy is too big. None of us want to touch him. And you know what David says? I'll go out there. I mean, it's probably looking like, I don't know if you guys know Harlow, but you look at Harlow or Meadow and then look at Josh compared to them. Okay? That's probably a good size comparison. And so there's David. He's somewhere between 15 and 19 now. And he's going to go fight this giant. So they give him armor and stuff and give him weapons, and he doesn't like none of it. I don't need this. I'll just take my a rock and sling, right? And so he is. He goes face to face with the giant. The giant's making fun of him. Oh, you puny boy. How do how, how you think you're going to do this? So David just takes it and starts twirling it. Because back in the day, the sling, you had to go like this to throw. It wasn't the pullback, right? So there he is, and he knocks Goliath in the head. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there is a story about babysitting in the Bible. And the world's greatest babysitter is David because he rocked Goliath. David didn't become king until he was about 30. You imagine being in the field, working, knowing that that's, that's what you've been chosen to do. So that's about 15 years have passed. There's some of us that know what our calling in life is, and we're not, we're not doing it. We're not following. Or we've been put out in that field, and we're, we're impatient. I was very impatient in my field. So you see the stage here? God is awesome. So God would always give me this vision of the church that I'd be at, and it was always a black stage, a nice backdrop just like this. And so every time I'd see a black stage and a nice backdrop just like this, I'm like, that's my church. And God's like, no, that's not the one. And then I said, right, I love this church. But this is where God's leading me to a church like this. And he goes, hold on. It's in the works. It's amazing how he does that. So we have to wait our turn. 
The waiting game is frustrating. Now, so David had to wait to be king. I had to wait to be ordained. So I don't know if you guys have been here long enough, but I've been here since 2018. And in May of 2019 is when I became an intern here. If you do the math there, there's a lot of waiting. And a lot of I get to see the goodness, and I'm waiting, and it's like, I can taste it. Right? I'm very impatient. But that brings me to the next story I'm going to talk to you about, and that's Jonah. And in those same Bibles, Jonah is on page 953. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. This, this sounds really, really serious, right? The, the word of the Lord has came. It came to me too. And it, and it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. So what do you think Jonah did after he heard that? If you know anything about Nineveh, Nineveh wasn't a good place. And that's what Jonah's thinking. So we continue, and it says, But Jonah rose up to flee to, to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa and found a ship which was going to Tarshish. Paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So here we see Jonah's running, and he's running quick. He doesn't want none of this. I ain't doing this. It doesn't matter what you just said, Lord. I ain't, I'm out. Right? So the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea. And so that the ship was brought to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God. And they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, Lain down and fallen sound asleep. Man, he is bold. Going, running from God and going to think he's going to sleep to hide? Whew. Until the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. You ever, ever been in a storm and like everyone else is wigging out and you're sleeping? Because I haven't been. Usually when I'm storming, I'm on Facebook updating people. Hey, tornado's coming now. Get in shelter. Not Jonah. Each man said to his mate, come let us cast lots so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. That's, that's really amazing that he, it fell on him, wasn't it? It's his fault. Then, then said to him, tell us now on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. Then the man became extremely frightened and said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you 
that the sea become calm for us. So the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. You ever been on a boat when it storms in the middle of a lake or anywhere? Yeah. It's not it's not nice. Boat starts tossing and turning, and you're trying to get your sea legs, and there's no getting sea legs when that happens because there's no keeping balance. However, the men rowed desperately to return to the land, but they could not. The sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea stopped its raging. Then the, fear, the man feared the Lord greatly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. I got a question for you guys. Have you ever been in a, a big fish stomach? No? No? Well, I can tell you that just two weeks ago, there's an actual person who's been in a fish stomach. His name is Michael Packard. Right? He, he has been in a, in a whale stomach. Right? And, and, you know, the article says this is the first reported one to ever happen. I think they got that wrong. Because I think I just read that a big fish just swallowed Jonah. So, you know, Jonah was in the whale for three days and three nights, and then the whale spit him out. Well, let me tell you about Michael Packard for a little bit, okay? He's a Cape Cod lobster diver. He felt, he, so he's in the water looking for the lobsters, right? He said he felt a big bump, and then it got dark. I bet it did get dark. He said that he thought he got bit by a shark. So he started feeling around. He didn't feel nothing. He wasn't in pain. And then he realized where he was at. He's like, oh, I'm going to be eating now. Right? And so he, he starts doing his special breathing because he still has his breathing apparatus on. And he's like, I'm just going to die here. No one's going to find me. And what, what he estimates to be about 30 seconds, the well resurfaced and spit him out. Now, if you, if you Google Michael Packard, you'll see this picture of him in the hospital. He's still, he's pretty brained up. I mean, so after Jonah go, gets spit out of the, the well, he gets up and goes to Nineveh, right, and does his thing. So I want to know how awesome God is because Jonah could do that, but Macker, Michael Packard who just got swallowed by a fish and got spit up, he is laying up in the hospital. Either our bones are weaker now than they were, or he went a lot higher than Jonah did. So seeing the pictures of, of Michael Packard, 
and hearing his story, and there's actual recording of him talking about this recanting the, the thing, is, is tremendous. And it really paints the picture of how amazing God is and how he works. Now, like I said at the beginning, I have chosen to follow the path that, that Jesus is leading, right? But I've also ran. You know, I, I, I was running the path. I was running hardcore. And my patience got very thin. And I started my own thing. I had a big ego. My ego said, you don't need none of this. You can come over here and do this. And so my ego led me in some bad things. Until someone finally came up and popped my ego. Thank goodness for kids, right? Yeah, They're saving grace. They save most people's lives just by just being so innocent they are. And so after I was on my own path running, you know what I did? I turned around, and you know what I saw behind me? I thought I was running from God, and you know who was running next to me and behind me? God was still standing right there. So let me tell you something. Why does any of this matter? This matters because we are called to follow Jesus. You know what this, this, stand, this is? Instructions on how to live our life. And it doesn't just start when the day we were born. It started before we were born. Because God knew us before we even got here. He knew exactly how many hairs on our head, how many times you're going to get a haircut, how many times you're going to go clean shaven. But why does it matter? Because I hear too often that someone says, I don't know what my calling is. I said, well, have you prayed to God and asked him to show you what your calling is? Because I bet you you're probably doing it. He said, no, I haven't done it. I said, well, you need to, let's pray about it, okay? If you don't know what your calling is today, I need you to pray about it. Because if, if you don't know anything else, if, if you turn those same Bibles to page 1,025, it's Matthew chapter 28, And these words are very serious. Okay? Matthew chapter 28. These are incredible words. We're going to start in verse 16. And it says this. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. Anyone have doubt in here? Yeah, I think that's, that's an overwhelming thing. We all have doubt in our life. But listen to these next words, okay? And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. He didn't just say, go to your brother over there. He said, go to everyone, okay? All the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Wasn't that amazing to see this morning? Yeah, a little kid getting baptized is amazing. Now it's our job as a church to come alongside them and make sure that they're staying the path. Teaching them to observe all that I command you. 
And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So if you don't know what your calling is, I'll tell you, it's very simple. We are called to make disciples. We're called to spread the gospel. So this past week, our, the Southern Baptist Convention was together, right? And you know what the, the message was that they kept preparing for everyone? Spreading the gospel to every person you can. Why is that? It's because if they don't know, they don't know it. They might have heard it, but if they don't have the passion, what are they going to do with it? So it's our choice to either follow Jesus or ignore him and be sleeping on the boat. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm following. Because let me tell you, in God's economy, things just work. You might think that you have nothing, but you have the entire world in your hand. And not, let me be honest with you guys, it ain't going to be easy. Okay? It's not going to be nice, it ain't going to be pretty, but it's worth it. You want to know why it's worth it? When you think about Easter, when you think about the crucifixion, you think that was easy? You think that was pretty? No, that wasn't pretty at all. But Jesus did it for us, didn't he? So why aren't we living our life the way Jesus lived his life for us? Now the worship teams are going to come. And if you've never really thought about what your calling is, I welcome you to come down to this altar, okay, this morning, and lay your life down. They're going to sing a song called Available. If you haven't caught the theme this morning, it's all about following where God's going. It's kind of weird how we started the service with Ain't No Grave, and Ain't No Grave going to stop me. And then we sang The Stand, I'm taking the stand. I'm here, Lord. And now we're going to sing the song available. And I just want everyone to know, God, you can use me. Take me where you want me to go. I don't know how many times I've been on the altars saying, God, use me. And I got impatient and I turned away and said, you ain't using me. You can't have me. But today, don't let you leave unless you tell God, use me. I'm ready. I'm available. Use me in everything. Change the world. Let me tell you something, okay, fathers? Listen up one second. I have the key to be the greatest dad, okay? After you ask Jesus into your heart, this is what you got to do. Don't give up. All right, please pray with me, guys. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for this church feeling the calling to call me here to be one of their pastors. Thank you for the worship team behind me. Thank you for the greatness of you are and how great your stories are. That you, we know they're 100% accurate. Thank you for the words you've blessed on my heart. Please let people come down here today and tell everyone that I'm available. Tell, let them know that you are available for them. And no matter how far they run away, you're right there next to them, ready to transform them, and all they got to say is, I'm here. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part 
in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.